Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin. But they still reveal things to us. As they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table, the story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Hello and welcome back to another thrilling commentary on Bone Thrower's Theater. This is Johnny. And this is Jeremy. This is Jeff. And I'm Aaron. <laughs> and this is Jordan. It's really hard to believe that this is the last commentary that we're going to do for this campaign. Yeah, I'm almost sad not saying, and I was playing. Yeah. 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 But I think we've established by the montage, and we talked a little bit about in between the end of the last episode, that it's in a place where it could be picked back up at some point. Very yeah, easily. Very, yeah I, I feel like we could do a jump like five years in the future and see where these characters are. Well, I mean, not even like... Uh, you could I mean, jump five months in the future. Yeah, you could do five months in the future. <laughs> yeah. And it, go a completely different place. That's the thing. I loved how each season was very distinct in this show. Mm-hmm. Like, the first season was very much... Okay, this is what we're doing to try and save the queen. Oh no, the bishop is wrapped into it too, and there's this mystery as to why and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, you were successful in saving the bishop, but then the queen got taken, and right, and Walsham got murdered. And well, and then each each season there was a different level, yeah, of things. And with this last series of episodes too, that we learned that there's yet another level that the characters are now tasked with at least trying to figure out trying to figure out and think about what that means for their personal lives mm-hmm. or the personally or mm-hmm. things Joris like that. didn't look in any of those rooms. No, Joris did not. That's the the <laughs> odd thing. For someone who's so much looking for the queen. Well Yeah, I just Yeah. Okay. I thought it was weird that he didn't look into the any other rooms. There was a main reason I didn't look in the room is that I wanted to Check the circle, make sure it was actually a circle first, and make sure there was no guards, like nobody there that we had to fight in that circle. Clear danger. Mm. And then by the time I come back around to you guys, you are already opening the door at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Which made me think, okay, they've already checked all these previous doors. No, we just checked what? I checked one. Grayson checked one. I checked three. (laughs) And you said nope on the last one. So, I mean, that's why I didn't. On the last one, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Good. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I was interested. I'm interested to find out what the th- thought processes were behind some of these doors that we were looking into, and I'm scared to ask because um, that's diving into the mind of Jordan. It's <laughs> <laughs> a scary. Place. That's a scary place. <laughs> like, what's your worst fear type of thing? That's what it seemed like. It really is. That's what I thought it was at first, but then. There was the image that Demetrius had of Grayson. I was like, yeah. where did that come from? Well, think about the relationship between Demetrius and Grayson. Grayson and Demetrius have were basically raised together to a certain degree, weren't they? No. no. That, no. Was, that was Byram. Oh, yeah, that, that was Byram. Byram. That was Byram. Byram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Demetrius, Demetrius has a business relationship. With Demetrius, it was a business relationship, but it's probably been going on a lead, probably like at least two, three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's been a long enough time that we know each other 
reasonably well. So, and I mean, it, it's odd relationship because how old is Demetrius? Uh, twenty six. Twenty six. So it's like almost ten years older. Yeah. So I mean, you would have met when he was like fourteen. Yeah. yeah. And this little punk kid comes in and it's like, wants I to be your business partner. Store some illegal stuff in your shop, and you at tw- at twenty five are like. Okay. <laughs> well, so it's legit. It was probably like, I need the capital because I'm starting up a shop type of deal. Yeah. Well, it was it was that it was the Grace and Earl Tyler's charmel. I've been there before. I I see this kid on the um, streets. Okay, yeah, I've maybe been there before. Yeah, so that was just kind of driven because I wanted to put a little interpersonal. So that was stuff. more of your biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the stuff that was happening in the rooms was what would be the biggest fears of these characters. So, like, the broken clock, well... Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. And then Grayson seeing himself being mothered by a fae. Well, okay. A bit of a push for him. Well, not not really, because that's what Grayson had already expected in the fae realm. Right. That's why he, as soon as he saw it, was like, closed it, and was like, I don't need to look in any more of these rooms. I know what it's going to tell me. It's like, it's more stuff that is going to try to tell me who I think I should be. Right. Which, interesting thing, the room that Joris and Grayson went into that had the figure that was dead, the head turned around backwards that was... Rotating faces. Faces were changing to other... Like, that is sort of what made Grayson decide to do what he did at the end. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool, because I just put that in for fun imagery. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, because when he asked the Miscourt King what of that was true, because in the back of his mind, he was thinking that, or those, the people in that he's seeing that are in danger of dying, because the queen was in danger of dying, and her face kept showing oh. up. So that's, oh. yeah. And yeah. the barmaid was in the city that burned Yeah, the down. barmaid was in the city that he recognized from mm-hmm. the Seven Stars. And and then Haley. And he was like, um, okay. Even though that he was on the mission, and I don't know if you noticed after that too, he was a little bit less hesitant about using his magic. Yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely noticed that. Like, the when he came out of that room, he was just walking through, just like, sleep. Sleep, mm-hmm. so, and it's like, and without hesitation, it was just like, just knocking them you know, down. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that. I thought it was more of a okay. There's no hiding that you do magic once we all came to this realm, <laughs> right? Because now we all know that you're part fae. But you, I mean, you kind of everyone in the group kind of accepted them part fae, but not magic. Yeah, you never really showed magic to them before. Right, I never, right. and it wasn't as like, oh, you're part fae, you can do magic. It didn't. Yeah, that never came never up. happened. It didn't. Well. So that, that's why I was saying before, right before the, we started recording this commentary, that the Oubliette was very, I thought, I think, emotionally charged for a lot of the characters. And I think that's one thing that I always, I always think is more effective than just throwing some random monsters in a bunch of rooms and then letting you loose on it. Yeah. It's like looking at the characters and saying what will affect them in some kind of emotional way. I don't, might not know exactly what it is but I do know how to push the character's buttons. And I think that's an important thing that a lot of GMs don't really do. Mm-hmm. They don't try and push the character's buttons. And you all say that I'm, a, I'm an evil GM and well, everything like that. because we love it. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that a lot of times there's a difference between an adversarial GM and a GM who's trying to push their, the characters further. 
And I try very hard and, to make sure that I push you guys. And also a difference between a GM that has loaded dice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Johnny is, Johnny's guilty of it, too. So. I, I, I think... <laughs> Aaron joined my, my Dungeons & Dragons group, and I sat next to him, and I'm like, I just want you to see that my dice are not loaded. And he only rolled six sixes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't, it's not enough max crazy. <laughs> I sat there and I rolled like the dice like twelve times. You know, times. honestly, we we said that we we, we joke about it because it just always seems when it's the most crucial that Jordan's like, oh look, I got a six. Oh look, oh, another, another six. six. I got another six. But um, that's only thinking, when I announce it. Well, thinking about the last yeah. session. Yeah. Last session, we, with the exception of I think Johnny. All of us were rolling exceptionally yeah, last, well. Last yeah. session, I was yeah. rolling like I was rolling horrible. Exceptionally last well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I rolled like twelve ones on my wild. Like thirty plus. Yeah, a couple yeah. times in a row. I mean, that's and it, and it wasn't even though oh we get to roll seven die. I think there was one time where Grayson was shooting and, and at that point his crossbow was I think still four D plus whatever and he rolled like a thirty eight or something to yeah. to hit or Just something like that. It was away. like. Oh my goodness! And then the next one was the same thing, and then the damage was through the roof. It was like, okay, we're just rolling exceptionally well yeah. Yeah. at the right time. It happens, yeah, <laughs> when, it, when it counts most. I honestly was expect fully expecting us to to go under this last episode. Mm-hmm. I was fully expecting us to just die in the process of saving the queen. Well, I kind of figured that we wouldn't, knowing that this is going to be the last. We visit these characters for a while. Everybody was sort of willing to spend everything that they had to make sure they succeeded. We did that, I mean, before we started playing, we were like, all right, how many character points do I have and how many do I think I might need to yeah. spend and I'm going to up everything that I can mm-hmm. and then have this much to spend to get rid of. So we kind of went in knowing that, oh, we're going to throw caution to the wind and do anything. On the other hand, I came into this expecting to sacrifice benedict's life to save somebody yeah that was my whole my expectation but then that's when jordan rolled poorly tonight was when he was resisting damage (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i every time honestly that i expected that same thing for grayson i was like okay grayson is probably gonna have to give up something that he's been holding on to in order for this to work Mm -hmm. I, i mean not thinking that it's not gonna succeed but it's gonna be well in the way grayson did he gave up his secrecy of magic but did he? No one saw it. No, we all saw it. We saw it, but it, we you didn't two saw him appear from being invisible. We didn't. We saw no. him rush out mm. from behind the tank. Yeah, yeah. And there was never acknowledgement of the of the sleep happening. Yeah, we just it, you just kept going. It was that, it was that, full action sequence. Like Grayson in his mind at the point where he did the the first two rounds of sleep yeah. on the second mm. the, the first level second level. The first ring. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the first ring. Right after the, uh, the computer room. Yeah, yeah, when he did the first round of sleep, he was, at that point, was like, all right, enough is enough. We just need to finish this. That's why he went through and was just like, sleep, sleep. And then was expecting to stand there and wait for everybody and then say, what happened to all these guards? Where his mind was at that point? That's seeing me. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did you guys like the computer room? That threw me way off. That, that was the first hint that it was like, 
We're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It made yeah. it very difficult to role play. I mean, it did. It did. And we talked about this in between episodes at one point, and I said something to the effect of, for us as people with technology and the concept of science fiction, it's not too hard to figure out how we would react to something from the future. But for that time period when they had no concept of science yes. hardly at all, not even as opposed to science fiction, mm-hmm. reacting to that level of technology. And we alluded to it that it's like, oh, it must be magic. Yeah. I even, I even, which is where, being in this time, find <laughs> science to be wizardry. Yeah. <laughs> like, half of it doesn't need... The fact computers can, don't make sense. The fact that you can talk to somebody like, across the ooh, world with, I love, with nothing connected. What I love was your descriptions of things yes. in the machine room. Absolutely where, incredible. Yes, I love that <laughs> portion where it's like, oh, there's this rope connecting these two things and there's yeah. there's electricity going back and forth. Uh, at, at first when you started describing, it's like, all right, what is he describing? Oh, a light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then these thin layers of jade with silver and gold. It's like, oh, it's a fucking computer chip. It's yeah. 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 like a motherboard. A motherboard. board. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was, and so then, I, and then you hear heard me in the montage. It's like it's got a circle and a line through it. And I'm like struggling to try to come up with oh. the same type of description <laughs> of like the power symbol. I, I didn't know what you were talking about. Right? <laughs> like, so Jordan does a better job. Of that. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's what they call in apocalypse world terms barking forth apocalyptica, which means just being super descriptive about what you're trying to do. Yeah. And that's something that I always. But I ever ever like those descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. Those are excellent. Well, and also I had help with that. Um, to be honest. The whole idea of a buried spaceship with torturers in it came from my favorite book series of all time, uh, which is The Earth of the New Sun, U-R-T-H, of the New Sun, uh, by Gene Wolfe. And it's all about this guy who is in the far future. It's so far future that the sun is dying and the world has gone back to a post-technological level, but he lives in a spaceship and he's a torturer for the crown. And so, uh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah, it's available on Audible. You can listen to the series as an as audiobooks. It's great. Like the description of the guy, the the torturers in the robes, not wearing a shirt with like black cloaks, um, that don't cast any like any kind of shadows. You, that's that's directly from that book. And the idea that they live in a spaceship, and the torture chamber is down in like around where the rocket propellant is and everything like that the higher levels like there's there's the cockpit at the very top of the spaceship and they actually hear voices coming from boxes and and they don't know that it's radio technology communicating with spaceships that are have left earth and have gone out that's awesome yeah so it's it's 100 science fiction but it's written in a fantasy vein yeah and so I, I stole a lot of my concept for the oubliette of aphonic excruciation straight from that. I'm going to tell you, that part was completely frustrating. Yeah. Trying to explain and communicate... Mimes. Mimes. Not only in character, but as players, too. Yeah. Or the podcast, yeah, trying yeah. to say what your character is doing, because your character can't use words, so you're like... And my character's like... 
And you're waving your arms around. I was like, oh, that does nothing for the people listening. Yeah. Um, so how do so, I describe this? Yeah. So it's he's so motioning hard. for him to follow, and he's using two fingers to look. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it made you think. Yeah. Well, yeah, it did. Until we started writing. Yes. It made life so much easier. <laughs> We've got a writing set here. But even when we were writing, we still had to go back to describing our gestures and yeah. what we were trying to get across. We're such a verbal our, species. Yeah. yeah. With our facial features. Not only verbal species, but I, there was at one point, I think it was in episode where I just even blurted out, I was like, I hate you, Jordan. <laughs> again, yet again. The one thing Grayson is good at is persuading people with words. He couldn't do a thing. He couldn't speak. Yes. So, <laughs> again, me taking away things that you love, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and, and again making this this whole experience very trippy and everything like that. I treat every RPG as if it's a horror session, <laughs> um, because honestly, you know, in character, you're not supposed to know what these things are, right? You know, and so what's some of the most horrific imagery you can come up with? It's like your words literally turning into bloody oh, mud. Yeah, that that was probably the most horrific thing of this session was when you first described that as a player, not oh. even as imagining how Grayson respond as me sitting here listening to the description. I'm just like, yeah, and I'm like shuddering myself. I'm like. Gross. And feeling the That's desire disgusting. to just up chuck everything you just yeah. eaten all day. Yeah. So was that a technology or a phase spell? Or was that something that Oh, I guess it was magic. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was a, like, a, a really side know. effect of the, the silence spell, I yeah. would think. Yeah. It's like essentially your words co- coagulating. So the silence is a spell. See that's what I was thinking. It was like or it's so far to the future that we don't we consider it a spell. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. Just to mess with your mind, your your mentor was going to be there. And then I decided, oh, your mentor is a fae who traveled back in time yeah. and met you. That's I why that. I kept saying Oh, back in time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, I thought he traveled forward in time no. and he was talking to me in the past. You know, like the room that I was in was a projection of him in the past. It was his past, your present. Okay. But see, how could it be his past if he died? He died in the timelines. Again, this goes back to the Book of the New Sun. This is something that I got from the Book of the New Sun. His character was moving along a timeline in the Fey Realm. Mm-hmm. And then he re-entered the timeline through a mirror at some point later in history. Yes, the mirrors can let, allow you to travel through time. Benedict can travel through time. <laughs> okay, Demetrius is going to learn how to do that without <laughs> the use of mirrors. He meets you in the future and then travels back in time okay. to, to discover you as a young boy. Ooh. So you're, <laughs> Which set me on the path to meet him in the future. Yes. Which made him what? To, wait, what? Yes, it, it, it's, it's a causality a, loop. It's, yeah. a, it's a yeah. recursive loop. Yes. Yeah. So literally, at one point, Benedict I, was rewriting his own history. You, well, yes, but at one point, while we're in the oubliette, when I think it was when you were talking to Benedict was talking to his master, yeah. and that's when I was like, "Wait, there's some t- weird time things yeah. going on here." Yeah. I at one point, because Jeff and I before it was like a week ago, we're talking about what to expect from this session. We joked about we're going to be our characters as ourselves and end up back in our realm like 
with our former selves and actually having to like do things without interacting with our former that selves. Very, and then when, very when, when this the time thing came, where he has to like run around behind his his own back, yeah, to like things. cleaning things up. When uh-huh. this time thing happened with uh, Brother Benedict's master, uh, I was like, oh no, it might actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you guys seen the TV show Fringe? Yes. yes. Yeah. The first four seasons Gosh. are a linear story, and then the fifth season is a time jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that they're traveling between worlds, and that influences this big time jump. And that was kind of my inspiration to have the human realm and the fey realm split into two alternate timelines, two alternate yeah. Yeah. histories. So that was that part. And then I'm like, when I realized that the last season was set for a time jump. If we had continued on, that was what it was going to be, was it was going to be a time jump 200 years in the future where Dinium has been basically colonized as an Iberian town with a giant statue of King Carlo in the middle of the town, Carlo the Conqueror. Plot twist, that's actually how the Reman fire got put out. Yeah. Brother Benedict in the future went back to the past and put out the Reman fire single-handedly. <laughs> no, like as far as the silence go, the way I explained that, at least to myself, was that the Mayvan Chi cast that silence spell on that entire thing on the ship mm-hmm. as part of like they couldn't explain the technology because oh. you know that's not it's anything not related to fade magic at all. Yeah. yeah, it's human technology. Yeah, and so they couldn't explain it all, and in order to keep people from exploring it and use it also as a torture chamber. It's also, no, hold on. Hold on. They cast that silence spell on it. What if the whole concept of the how the Reem and Fire got put back, because remember, one of the things the Oracle said was to unlock the human magic mm-hmm. through technology. Mm-hmm. So what if it wasn't Brother Benedict that went back in time, but Demetrius? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And what I was going to say is, uh, what if... Three of our characters learn how to time travel through technology, through mirrors, through Man. just pure fey magic. <laughs> yes. It, it, it also seems like um, time time. <laughs> like the, the Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yeah. Uh, well, so I went back in time and I gave myself the key. Um, yeah. Human oh, yeah. magic. So it, it's similar to um, Brandon Sanderson's book. Oathbringer? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Big spoiler alert. Yeah, the um the Voidbringers are not who you think you, they are yes. for the first two and a half books. Yes. Yeah. So what I was gonna say, and yeah, it's been out for since November of twenty seventeen. So it's this only will, four months. Hello, future people. We have our own time loop going on. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, All right. So you know how it's almost like humans showed up on this Earth, on this planet where the Bevanshi and the Miscorp were united, and then the humans united with one of the courts, and suddenly now the courts are divided. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, very... Hmm. Humans are disruptive in this story. Yeah. Yeah. And also the fact that somewhere along the lines, the humans and the Fae were of the same race. What we're getting now is a genetic drift between the two. I, because, again, I decided that this was at the tail end of the Terra Proximus timeline. Where all this was happening. Yes. We kind of kind of got that with your Easter egg of yeah. the mm-hmm. feline human hybrids. Yeah. 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 Jeff and I looked at each other like, <gasps> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so there you go. Um, it also explains why there were bull-headed minotaur men and a goat-headed yeah. man and a whole bunch of other weird animal hybrids that oh, appeared. Oh, true. Hmm. I really And like why they had magic. Yeah. Huh. So yeah. the fae are the future or the descendants of the mutated French flu. And also, like, the, or- <laughs> the oracle is a part of the canopy that has gone forward sure. in the future. Lobo. <laughs> Our two campaigns, we, we linchpinned yes. them together in one, one episode. You have to be a real fan to know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. To listen to approximately, please visit bonethrosphere.com. I, I, I have to say I'm proud of myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jordan, I have to say, uh, Oubliette was... A game changer for what my plans were for Grayson. I'm glad. Because one thing I was toying around with was Grayson actually, as Aaron suggested, deciding to stay in the Fey realm and see if he could track down his mother. Mm. Hmm. But then the image of Haley almost being like, oh, she's in trouble. Yeah. And when we did the montage, there were some things I wanted to throw in there, but I couldn't figure out how to do it on the fly. So yeah. I was like, well, okay, it's late and my brain can't connect the, the dots in a way that would make actual sense. Yes. <laughs> um, but now that I've had time to think about it, it would have been cool to have a scene in there. One of the things I was contemplating doing was tying in the image that Demetrius had of Grayson somehow. Oh. Like, like as he's in his search, he walks past a mirror, and this would tie it like two two point plot points into right. there. We'll walk past the mirror, and out of the corner of his eye, get a glimpse of himself with like weird fang like teeth, and then turn and look, and it's just it's him, like his regular face, and but he sees. For a split second, and then it vanishes an image of Walsham. Yeah. Mm. Like, in the mirror. Mm. Yeah. And then he turns around, and he's not there. Would just be like, oh. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah, and I had forgotten I had thrown in that scene with the with the carnivore teeth um, <laughs> until later. It was really a throwaway scene, but it was really intended for Demetrius to see the the face side of... of Grayson. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. that would have been a perfect tie-in. Yeah. So, Demetrius knew that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And that's why he was like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, Demetrius had already come to that, that it didn't, yeah. it didn't matter. Because, it, it didn't yeah. matter if he right. was fair or not, because he's still who he is. Right. Yeah. That's a good funhouse mirror image. And right. Also, he had already been faced with the, uh, the broken clock thing, and he was like, the shop being burned down, that's just... But I love how your character has changed because if I had thrown in a broken clock at the very beginning of the campaign... Oh, he would have totally freaked out. He would have freaked just donkey balls. You know, just yeah. like <laughs> all over the place. And But the fact that he was able to hold it together and just go, mm, that, that I, doesn't matter. It's interesting because I think all the three... I think Joris is the one that stands out as the one that hasn't changed. The most like, single-minded. But yeah. The most single-minded. Like... Demetrius is now more loose. Ah, that doesn't matter. Well, you know, that uh, goes back to when we were c- first coming into the Fey realm and everybody saw those visions, you know, going down the stairs. Joris, when he saw his vision of him failing the queen, 
he refused. Like yeah. the that made him even more singly focused. Well, we we alluded to it last time. Grayson also was refusing, but I guess it was for a totally different reason. Yeah. For the fact that we talked about last time that, I mean, okay, this doesn't really change who I am. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, my past is my past, and it may be something that I didn't think it was, but that doesn't change who I am. Yeah. But the whole Faye realm thing did change him a little bit. We already said Demetrius is more loose and is not so uptight about things being mm-hmm. as they should be. Time means not everything. Yeah. Well, no, Grayson, that's not true. Time travel is everything. <laughs> <laughs> time is not everything. Time travel is everything. Grayson <laughs> got very less secretive about who he was mm-hmm. and if it if it comes out it comes out. I'm just going to do Yeah. I'm just going to do that, me. That is <clears> the biggest way that Grayson changed. And then Benedict. Benedict. I will I will have to say Benedict from the very beginning was, oh, this person, even though I'm against them, they need to be, I need to, very, was very reluctant to do harm or yeah. damage to anybody. And by the time we got to the end, he's just like decapitating, <laughs> just like, whack, just killing people like twice over with yeah. a single blow. Yeah. <laughs> it was grinning when the thought of... At the thought of dropping a glowing dude down a tunnel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a little far. Better give my nuts. He broke. I mean, the guy that was that was freezing in the, the dome yeah, wanted to stay by his side him. and give him his last rites. And is now just like, yeah, this dude's dead. Kick him down the hole. <laughs> and when Toad died, it was like... What are you doing? Searching his body. You're disgracing his body. He's like, this guy's dead. Get rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) But he also showed a lot more respect for other people, you know, because he started off like really not caring about other people. He's he's in this very yeah very like a very self centered mindset. Yeah, Yeah. it's like I I want want food. I want women. I want food. (laughs) I want women. I want to be a priest. That's the three things that he wanted. No, not a priest. (laughs) A a monk. Monk. I wanted to be a monk. That was very evident from the But he's uh, a priest. But he has totally changed his outlook in that he wants to be a leader of people. And he wants to be a uniter of people. And he still wants the women. And well, well, in the end, he's in the priestly robes. That's right. Yeah. 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 Ornate monk robes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I we've been having a good time talking about this, but we got to wrap things up soon. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and discuss the role playing, the best role playing for tonight. This one's tough because you couldn't really. You had to. <sighs> because of the silence. Because well, I I will say it was a different type of role playing. Yeah. 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 Um, relying less on how you expressed your character. Yeah. And how you chose them to do what they did. I am going to vote for Demetrius. So in the past we've talked, uh, last session I believe it was, we talked about Demetrius was broken and now he needs to be repaired. And I believe Demetrius got that reparation. And then even further into his montage, I think that really sealed the deal as far as how Demetrius was developing. And not just fixed, but growing. As you you say that, that's the point where I would make that's that's not role-playing, that's advancement of character. (sighs) Like, uh, hands down, I would say Demetrius, advancement of character. Yeah. I loved the role-playing moment of you guys rushing in to to check on the the, the woman with the broken neck. I thought that was a great role-playing moment. 
Yeah. And Jorah's trying to put her out of her misery. <laughs> yeah, that was... Which is one of the reasons I asked the question, can Grayson tell that that person is not who the faces are telling, saying who they were? Because if Grayson could not tell that he was probably going to raise his crossbow at Jorah's. Uh, at Jorah's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because not, not, it's like, wait, this could be the queen. This could be Haley. This could, this could like, be anybody. Yeah. So what are you doing trying to kill this person? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the entire yeah, motivation behind the captation was make it so they cannot torture this poor soul anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, the body was say, dead. As but... far as role playing moment, I mean, Benedict at the top of the hatch uh, with the dead body. And he wasn't nodding and grinning because dropping the dead body. He was nodding and grinning because he knew that, all right, so at the top of the hatch, if anybody tries climbing out of the hatch, we have best position to just start clubbing them in the head. <laughs> but it looked a lot darker than it actually yes. was. It was because you couldn't verbally communicate. Right. Like, um, all he, like he knew that this was the best position for us to fight in. Yeah. And that was my entire thought process. Right. I, I will say also, in the library, that was a good role-playing moment. Yes. Oh, yeah. That yes, was a good moment. And in the computer room. Like, just figuring it out. And... Well, the computer... Computer room, yeah. I mean, I will say, from my vantage point, even though it was the toughest thing to do, I enjoyed the computer room trying to roleplay Grayson in that room. Especially the moment where he's like, I recognize this queen. Let me think about... Wait, what just happened? (laughs) Why is this what I was thinking about? Now the only thing in this room. Right. Yeah, so that that was fun doing... I think there was a good, another good role-playing moment between uh, Demetrius and Benedict when Demetrius was tinkering with the, the stuff that he shouldn't have been tinkering with. <laughs> I was tinkering with things because I was just like so absorbed with these new gadgets. Whatever they are. What's you, it's you were literally yeah, one roll away it's... from either electrocuting yourself or setting off your setting off. I, a, yeah, a and that's another description I love. And one of those things bit you. I was like, oh, it shocked him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was... I was like, oh, it shocked me. I don't know that it shocked me. It bit me. <laughs> I'm not the... So that may also made me think, with all the flammable pipes and stuff, is Rima Fire actually like jet fuel? Yeah, we can say that. Yeah, of some sort. A little bit more advanced than jet fuel. I mean, but... I mean it's Riemann yeah. Fire. Not Bay Banshee Fire. Right. So it came oh, from the humans. Yeah. I mean, in the 1980s, our atomic weaponry was still powered by liquid propellant. Yeah. There was a there was an, an accident where a wrench got dropped while they were trying to fix one in Arkansas punctured the liquid propellant and like 24 hours later it exploded mm-hmm. and it sh- basically threw a nuclear bomb out into the middle of the a field uh, and it did not go off thank god but yeah i mean so like liquid propellant is still used yeah. and everything so mm-hmm. i mean remote fire could definitely be something of that nature because i mean i know it, when you came with remote fire you weren't that far advanced no 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 remote fire was supposed to be um greek fire yeah I know. yeah so which but the same Greek idea. fire was very similar to liquid propellant. Yeah. I have a revolutionary idea for best roleplay. Jordan. Yeah. 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 The the ability to roleplay my master, uh, the queen, mm-hmm. Lord Cheddar. 
Uh, <laughs> Aiden King, Mar, King Aiden. King, I mean, all of those combined. King Andrus. King Andrus. Yeah. Andrus. The computer. Thought, yeah. The computer. Andrew Query. Like that was that. another good scene. I liked the response to Grayson's yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah, that was a personal answer from for myself right now. Don't worry about other people. Worry about you. So my vote's for Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the yeah. description of everything as well, which the worst was really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Give yourself a character point. <laughs> if I had a character, I would. Um, you have all the characters. characters. Accomplishing, accomplishing their goals. <coughs> well, like we said, Joris definitely did. Mm-hmm. He accomplished his goal. I mean, I think all the ca- well, obviously, since we had that montage, all the characters have advanced in one way or another. Accomplishes goal is now the head spy is now monitoring the two characters that, that he knows, about. knows, yeah. knows exactly of, where they're at. Knows about. So he advanced. Yes, Benedict has has now a huge following of both of both human and fae. human and fae. interspecies following. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already said Demetrius fixed himself. Looks like going to be the new tech whiz of his time. Yeah. And Grayson finally has, I think, totally just accepted who he is, even the past that he had no knowledge of. Yeah. If you think about it, is now taking advice other than doing his own his own thing. Because, yeah. I mean... That's a big step for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very big step for him. However, actual session before montage, Joris, I would say, had most advancement because... Rescued the queen. Only, only goal. goal. <laughs> he accomplished his only goal. But who rescued the queen? <laughs> who who got her up? That's only because you had teleportation. Yeah. She was almost dead when he found when he got back to her after you teleported. Man, if you didn't have sleep but teleportation, she and if probably you didn't have would meal. have been dead if Grayson hadn't because te- Jordan yeah. said he, she was about to go limp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another um, source for inspiration uh, for the, the especially magic as technology. Uh, was a movie I just saw, an anime movie called Mary and the Witch's Flower. And I got to see it through Fandango, but it's all about this girl who goes to a witch's school and there's all this technology going on. Like there's like a guy riding around on robots and stuff like that hmm. in the in the magical school. Hmm. And there was like an interview with the the professor or the the director at the end of the movie and he's like, Yeah, I wanted a um, magic is sufficiently advanced technology. So that's another thing that grabbed my attention and steering me this way so it's a good kids movie i'd recommend it let's talk about that in stargate yeah <laughs> in stargate too <laughs> yes they did snacks snacks like we said last time there was a lot of swings and misses today everything hit oh out of the park i mean we had Home runs across the board we had johnny got a nugget tray from chick-fil-a but they had their their new sriracha, sriracha sauce. sauce that those as, as, as soon as we started, within five minutes, they were almost. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think. I don't, I don't even think we had gotten. They were gone before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I remember standing there and eating like ten in a row, just like dipping them in the sauce. <laughs> and then Aaron had the jalapeno bacon cheddar cheese, cheese ball. cheddar cheese ball, which oh I gosh. could not keep myself from going back oh, to. So good. Like every time I got up and said, oh, I need something to eat. Oh, there's that cheese ball. Let me go back to it. It was great. So oh. good. And then the peanut butter mousse cake. I didn't break that out until like after we had filled ourselves on everything else. And then as soon as I broke it out, five minutes, it's gone. <laughs> it was good. 
<laughs> I I gotta say though, the apples were probably the winner for me. <laughs> and and to listeners, I know that sounds really odd. We just list all the stuff. And, I liked the apples. No, no, you have you don't know. So these apples weren't just apples. These were apples that were like Cut so paper thinly thin. sliced, and then they were rolled with peanut butter and drizzled with chocolate. And my God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is about so so peanut butter for me is always good. Yeah, yeah, but peanut butter and apples is yeah. just a special combination. And so it was a quote unquote healthy snack, even though I ate like six of them. Yeah. So it's like mouth adultery. <laughs> oh man, apple size so so thin. I'm oh man. Yeah, that's my vote. <laughs> that's my vote. Are they all gone? Yeah, they're all gone. There might be one up there still. I think there's a couple of them. I think there's yeah. one. They're all gone. <laughs> Jordan is in the seeing in the future now. They're all gone. <laughs> five, five minutes into the future. I live in the gluttonous future. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, we do not know what's coming next on Bone Thrower's Theater. We're going to be taking some time to, uh, to go, circle the wagons and... Uh, we're going to be playing a game of microscope to determine our next storyline. And then uh, what our group will be uh, playing after that will be emerging from that. So you will most likely be hearing us shortly. Shortly. Yeah. <laughs> next hey, week. Next week. Next time. Next time we will have an entirely new uh, campaign world set up. We'll have new characters. We were talking about shifting away from mini six and going to straight open D6. Um, a little more complexity, and also the magic system. It's a little... A little more fleshed out. A little more fleshed out. It's also a little bit more customizable. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do some customization with it. So, if you want to make something very specific in your spells, you can definitely do that. So, I think that's where we're heading in the near future. But, I gotta say, guys, this has been a real treat. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, yes. Um, and I want to say a special thanks to Jeremy because this wouldn't have ever happened except that Jeremy emailed me one day and it's like, look, dude, I, I really want to do this again. And I really want to say thank you for doing that because these gaming sessions have been some of the best times that I've had in the past year. And I, and I really do mean that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jeremy does all the editing for you folks yeah. that don't know. Yeah, Jeremy does so all of our wrong, technical stuff. <laughs> What's that? No. So if it's wrong, blame him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're in discussions about how we're going to, to move forward in terms of technology as well. Uh, so things might sound totally different when you hear us next time. You just never know. It might sound a bit magical. It might. It might. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it, we're, it's, it's so much late o'clock that we're all punch drunk, so I'm going to go ahead and close us off here. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, and again, uh, we wouldn't have anything without you guys, so we do appreciate all the love that you send us. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Bone Growers Theater. Our cast is Aaron, Jeff, Jeremy, Johnny, and Jordan. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. That means that you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you would like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. 
Our Twitter handle is at Bone Throwers Theater. And also you can look us up on Facebook. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production. <laughs>